Today is October 26th, 2020. This is episode 60 of Back to Normal, so let's get started. Okay, today by our normal schedule should be a personal episode, but I've decided um, that after doing five personal episodes, I am going to need to, or I'm going, I've decided to stretch out uh, the number of episodes between a personal episode. So I'm not sure yet exactly what the ratio is going to be, whether it'll be episode like 75. It'll be a round number, whether it's 75, I don't know. Um, we'll see what I get to by then. But um, the pace of those episodes, again, like I like I thought about before, uh, we need to change at some point. And so that's just a programming note that this is not going to be, quote unquote, a personal episode, um, just because I can't keep up the pace of one every 10 episodes. So uh, the focus of today's episode is what I'm calling the unknowable nature of COVID. And because the the goal of this show is to get us back to normal, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about today about just how frustrating it is that um, as we go into kind of what I'm gonna call the, I, it's not even the second wave anymore. It's like, it's like the new plateau or the new like floor of normal of this wave. Um, and the fact that currently we are at record highs of cases in Ontario, in Ottawa, um, record highs of new cases every day, record highs of active cases, all of this stuff. And yet we are being asked to and told to engage in activities that were banned in the first wave of this. And these activities are no safer under the current system. And yet it's, it's, it's just a whole weird thing. And I just want to talk a bit about how frustrating it is to to recognize all those that set of facts and how just infuriating it is to feel like you're potentially giving up so much with no understanding of whether you actually are or not and whether you need to or not. And this was really crystallized for me yesterday. Um, we decided we we went for a walk like we like we've been trying to do more and more and just like a decently long walk. And on the way home from the walk, we went by the playground. That's like, I don't know, a three or four. Uh, if you walk really slow, I guess three or four minutes. It's like it's like a block away, um, a playground that um, that our daughter had. Actually, she's two and a half and she has never played on that specific playground. I don't think she might have maybe one time, um, but she's at the prime age where like playgrounds are just becoming the funnest thing she could possibly do. And so we were walking home and after this walk and went past the playground and there was nobody on it. And we have been excruciatingly careful this entire time since March. We've done nothing. She has she's gone on a swing a couple of times when there's been nobody on the swing, but she has not been on a playground all summer. And like I said, she's at the prime age for this. She loves climbing. She loves going down slides. We actually have like we got her for her birthday, a little slide in the basement, like one of those plastic ones, it's like three feet. Um, she she's perfect for playgrounds right now. And so we've been super careful this whole time. We we didn't want to put uh, like go through any risk of going through um, putting her on playgrounds. We've gone like I said, we've gone on swings when we've it's been clear that there's nobody else. Um, there's nobody else has been using it for at least a little while. And we've always just had hand sanitizer to like clean our hands after using the swing because that's where people would touch. We've been so, so careful. And then we put her we, like we honestly we sat we sat down with her and said, do you want to go on this playground right now? There's nobody here. Um, we can go on the playground for five minutes 
And it was like, honestly, it was like telling, uh, <laughs> this is a gross example. I'm not going to use that example. Um, it's like someone being in prison and telling them like, you, here, you can have five minutes of outdoors time. And the look on her face when she found out, when she realized that she was going to get to play on this playground was like, honestly, it was heartbreaking because I've wanted her to be able to do this for such a long time. And the reasons that we haven't are obvious, hopefully, but our bubble, like our family's bubble includes Julia's parents, who are both kind of in and at risk group and also very anxious. Um, as am I, I have cystic fibrosis, as I mentioned, you can listen to the entire episode about it in episode 50. Um, we are a high risk group. Julia has asthma. Like there, there are lots of reasons why we don't want to get this thing. And so we're taking extra precautions to not get it. But while we don't want to risk Evie playing with other kids and pretending that everything else going on in the world is normal, um, like that's mostly because Evie, like kids are really bad at self-regulating and they like you can only do so much to keep them apart when they're playing to like when they're when they're playing in the same area like they're gonna get close to each other it's just like it's natural they're in they're, they don't understand the concept of not getting close but um like we've taught evie like no it's you can't go on the playground right now like people are sick and we don't want you to get sick we've taught her like when we do see our friends who have kids that they need to stay away from each other and like, I, honestly, I can feel myself choking up. Like it, it's so sad that she like that it's against, it would be against public health advice for her to go near other kids. She's a two and a half year old. She's supposed to be able to do that. Um, and honestly, the worst part, she's such a good kid is that she's so good at it. And when we, when we've seen our friends and then we leave, she talks about having like, she talks about our friend's kid who's one coming close to her, like walking towards her and she hides from them. Like this is real psychological trauma that we, I mean, we're all being put through. It's not like it's unique to her, but it's especially heartbreaking because it's going to take a long time. We're going to have to spend once this is done and we don't have to distance anymore. Um, or at least like the disease is low enough and there's a vaccine and like, we're all pretty confident in its protection where it's going to take months of teaching her like, Yes, we know you grew up basically doing this, but you don't have to anymore. You can go close to kids. You can play with kids. And I'm sure she's going to adapt quickly to it. But it's such a weird thing that we even need to do it. Um, we've been trying, like I know I've been trying especially to be as close to her as possible, and like hug her as much as possible. Teach her like it's not that you can't be close to somebody. It's not that you can't like play with them and like wrestle and whatever. It's just that it has to be us right now. and like. So we've all been like hugging her as much as possible and like teaching her like it's not that you can't be close. It's just like uh, people outside of our family you can't right now. It's it, but it's so sad. It's like it's honestly the worst thing. Um, I would have been so happy if in the spring we had gone through the lockdown and like nobody was seeing each other. And then we came out of it and now we were good. And like we had this background level of cases like single digits. We could all like people could all be in schools much more confidently. Um it would have been weird for a while, but it would have been normal now. And now, like, we're just seeing, like, because we live across the street from a school, kids are at the school now, they're going to school, and there's, like, hundreds of kids running out there. It's recess, like, they're doing laps of the field, um, all this stuff, and she's just seeing this, and she, like, for her, it must be 
so weird because it's it, it looks like everything is normal. It looks like, you know, kids are able to play. Like she must be asking herself. And if she hasn't asked us, she can't like she's got to be like, why can't I do that? Why can't I play? And so we've been trying to get her outside as much as possible, like playing and all that stuff. But the most frustrating thing is, like I said, this thing is unknowable. We don't know when and where we might be actually putting ourselves in danger. Like we're basically making educated guesses about what we need to do and what we don't need to do. Like from months ago, months ago, I stopped washing my groceries. I stopped like making sure everything was clean. I stopped like not touching anything and like quarantining our food as it comes into the house. Um, because we've been hearing that like I it just wasn't worth the time anymore. Nothing had happened like when we get food delivered, like I'll wash my hands, but like I'm not going to do anything more than that. Um, going on a playground, for example, like we washed our hands when we got back inside, but like maybe it was fine. Like the, there's like an overwhelming odds that it's fine that we went to that playground. That there was n- that nobody had ever had COVID and been on that playground, that those two things had never been the same. Um, there's just no way to know. And that's the most frustrating thing is that it feels like public health should have that information. And like, honestly, you could have like a table of places that were were like contacts who tested positive had been and like you could target those areas for like cleaning, that kind of thing. Um, And the biggest problem is we can't realistically test to see if a particular transmission vector like a surface, like a doorknob, like a playground, like I don't know, a piece of fruit in a grocery store can lead to an infection. It's it's like impossible to test that. And you certainly couldn't do it at scale where you're trying to figure out every possible contact. The only way you could do it is if you develop some kind of COVID test that you knew was was testing the right thing and the right amount of virus. And it was like a swab test that you could test a literal physical object, not a, like a throat or something. And it would give you instantaneous results like within two seconds. Um, but we can't, obviously we can't do that. We can't do that anything close to the scale even if we had a test like that um so basically we're forced as as a family unit we're forced to just live our lives avoiding the riskiest things we can do and all public health can do is trace infections to try and figure out where people picked up things and i'm, I'm assuming that in most cases it's relatively obvious but um been hearing for a while now that a lot a decent number of cases percentage wise um people just don't know where they got it from and like obviously that means there's cases out in the community like i feel like if we were able to test and trace every every single case we knew where it came from we'd be a lot better at at holding this thing off but because there's a bunch of cases out in the community that we just don't know about um like what do you do honestly it doesn't it makes it really really difficult to lead any kind of semblance of normal life under that situation like not being able to really understand where this thing is spreading where it's coming from and the most frustrating part for me like literally the most frustrating um is that we still like we're not it's not that we're not taking this seriously it's that we still don't know our family doesn't know anybody who's actually tested positive so it's like is it possible that we could have been living our lives exactly the same as we had um before the pandemic and not have tested positive like is that the thing like all these parties and stuff that people had that we said no to like obviously if everybody did that um things would have spread faster and like of course we would have known somebody that had it but because we didn't like it makes you regret not doing that one thing because it didn't spread the virus but obviously if everybody behaved that way you'd have a much different situation so it's like that's the most frustrating thing for me is that it seems like other people are taking risks on 
on society's behalf that we are sacrificing and not taking risks. And it's just, yeah, it's really, really frustrating. But what really crystallized it for me the most was that was seeing our daughter just wanting to play on a playground and being so happy to get to like climb up on the playground and go down the slide like seven times. We just did the loot like lap like seven times. And she was so, so happy, like just honestly so happy. And it's like it's supposed to snow today. So I'm hoping like we're not going to probably get another chance to go on a playground, maybe once or twice more this year um, if the circumstances are right. But like I'm excited for winter because like a giant field across the street from us with snow on it, like that's a place that she can just go out and play. I'm not going to be worried about it. And that's that's what I'm looking forward to the most right now is winter to come for that specific reason. Um, so yeah, I've talked about this long enough. It's just really frustrating. Anyways, I'm going to leave it there for now. Thank you very much for listening. If you've been feeling the same way as me, I'd love to hear about it. You can follow me on Twitter and send me a message at Rob Attrell. That's A-T-T-R-E-L-L. -L, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Bye.